0: the earth. Uh, I love the, the way the Bible starts that in the beginning um, there was God and, and that's all. And, and we read about the, the creation, he created uh, light and he created day and he created night and he created stars and he created galaxies and he created animals and he created plants and he said all of that stuff is good. And all that stuff he said is going to praise me. And then he looked and said something's missing And he created man. He created us. And he looked at it and said, that's very good. See, it changed. He went from creating stuff and saying, that's good. Stuff is good. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. To creating man and saying, that's very good. And it was for a little while. And then man went very bad. And, and we read two, two chapters, two books of the Bible, Genesis and Exodus. And what we've seen throughout that, that, that all of those books is that we keep messing things up. The thing that God created that was very good, we seem to mess up all of the time. But in the beginning, it was very good. He had Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, Eden this perfect place. And Adam and Eve, they would walk with God. They would talk with God. Like everything was really good. Very good, God said. Until it wasn't. And I think the same thing happened with Adam and Eve that happens with a lot of our kids or a lot of us. How many of you have kids in in here today? Or or you were a kid at one point. (laughs) That should be all of you. Yes. But what I've noticed is, is parenting is and I said I've got one that's 21 that's my oldest Um, but what I've noticed is that when they're little parents they think you know everything like everything it doesn't matter what like if they've got a question they're coming to mom or dad and it doesn't really matter what answer they give you they're going to believe it like what is 100 billion uh, times 483,742 plus 9 million you can just give them an answer and they're going to say yeah oh that's awesome like they're going to think you know everything because they trust you. Like they're gonna ask you questions about like where did God come from? In the beginning there was God. And they're gonna believe you. But then something happens somewhere around they're becoming a teenager and you know nothing all of a sudden. Like you are the dumbest human being to ever walk on the planet. Like, you, they ask you a question, and it doesn't matter what the answer is, right or wrong, they don't believe you. Like, that can't be right. Let's ask Alexa. Like, Alexa, what is, like, or they'll Google it. Like, they can Google anything they want. And the problem with that is they may get a right answer, they may get some other answer. But then there's something happens, and it's happening with my oldest Now that there comes a point in time where they think that, hey, maybe my parents do know something. (laughs) Like, they're not the dumbest people on the planet. Like, a couple of months ago, Jayla called and said, hey, would you come over and and build some shelves in my pantry? And I wanted to say, like, do you even know me? Like, anybody that knows me would not say, hey, would you come over and build some shelves in my pantry? Like, that is not my specialty. But I said, sure. (laughs) we can come over and do that. And that's kind of really what happened with Adam and Eve. For a while, like they're like, God, you're in control. God, you know everything. God, this is awesome. We're we're living here. But something happened along the way and they were like, well, I don't know that God's so smart anymore. Because the serpent came in and and you know the story and, and he said, well, if you just eat from this tree, the only tree God told you not to eat from, if you'll just eat from that, you know what'll happen? You'll be as wise as God is you'll know everything that he, he knows and they thought wow that sounds like a good idea I want to know what God knows I want to be like God is I want to be in control of my own life and they ate and it was no longer very good it was very bad We've been in this series called Game of Thrones now for, for several weeks and we talked about guilt and how sometimes guilt lives on, on, our, on the throne of our lives and that keeps us from allowing God his rightful place. We've talked about shame and, and the difference between guilt and shame and what that looks like um, in, in our lives and, and some people live with shame and that, that prevents the Savior from, from cleansing us of that. Uh, Last week we talked about what it looks like when the word uh, of God is in our on our life, Um, and it looks like next steps. It looks like found people find people, save people serve people. Uh, I can't do life alone. Growing people change. And this week I'm going to talk about what's it look like when I'm on the throne. What's it look like when I say, you know what, God? I think I know better than you. God, I know what your word says, God, but I think that I can make my own decision. I don't think I need to live by your rules, your authority, Uh, you're you're in my life. Like God, I know, because that's exactly what Adam and Eve did. It was very good in the beginning, but when they said, you know what? Like I want to be the one in charge. I want to know everything. It went very bad. And you know what? That hasn't changed throughout the centuries. The result of putting ourselves on the throne or me putting myself on the throne, you putting yourself on the throne, hasn't changed. It always looks the same. And when I'm on the throne, it looks like separation. It leads to separation. So the Lord God banished him, Adam, from the Garden of Eden. See, it was very good. And they were able to walk with God. They were able to talk with God. They were able to have this great communion with God. But once Adam and Eve said, you know what? I want to be on the throne i want to do things my way it led to separation they were banished from the garden separation between them and god was now a reality they'd never experienced that before and it says that they would have to work and toil on the ground their lives became very difficult and probably all of us from experience like have been in that place where we've experienced that separation from God and our life has become difficult because we've placed ourselves on the throne. That's not the only instance. In, In the next chapter, in Genesis chapter four, you've got Cain and Abel. Like they're, they're coming together, they're bringing an offering to God. One was acceptable, one wasn't. And then there's a million questions about why one was acceptable and one wasn't. And to be honest, I don't know the answer. And it's really not that important of a thing. But what, what's important is that one killed the other. He said, you know what? I'm gonna put myself on the throne. I'm gonna do that. And it, res- it resulted in this in verse 14. Today, he said, you are driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence I will be a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. Separation. Now we not only have separation from God, but we have separation from family. Because when I'm on the throne of my life, it always leads to separation. Some of you, you experience that. Uh, Maybe on a daily basis, that you're separated from people that you love and care about. it hasn't changed. That, that when, we, when we put ourselves on the throne, the result is always the same. But it seems like such a good idea. It seems like, hey, you know what? Like, I can make my own decisions. I can govern my own life. I, I can put this, but every time we've tried it, and you know it, every time you've tried it, you wind up in the same place. You wind up separated from God and separated from the people that you love. Genesis chapter 11. You know, it's this whole story, this whole process has been repeating itself over and over with Adam and Eve, with Cain and Abel, with Noah and the flood. And then after Noah and the flood, we got the, the people beginning to, to get back right with God. They're starting to, to live decent lives again. They're starting to be blessed by God. They're increasing and expanding on the earth. And then in Genesis chapter 11, they, they say, you know what, what we need to do is we need to build this huge tower up to heaven and make a name for ourselves. We need to be on the throne. God, uh, he's there, but we need to make a name for us. And the result, so the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. Separation. It's always the same. And it's always the result, of, the, the result is always sin. When we put ourselves on the throne, we're always going to lead towards sin. It's just our natural bent. And I know sin's not a popular topic, and a lot of people don't like to talk about sin, but sin always leads to separation. It's from God, it leads to some separation from family and those that we love. Why? Because we're putting ourselves on the throne. We're saying, God, I know what's best for me. God, I know the step that I need to take. I know what your word says. God, I know what you've told me, but I think I can do this. It's a story all all through history. Same result. But for some reason, some reason, all of us, me included, I think that that this time, I'll be the exception. I'll be the one that it doesn't happen to. It leads to separation. When I'm on the throne, you know what leads to to complaining. You ever been around someone that's just all the time complaining? Don't you just want to punch them in the face? (laughs) I said, but it does, but when I'm on the throne, it always leads to complaining. The Apostle Paul would write in the book of Philippians, he'd say, do everything without complaining or arguing. It's my favorite verse. My kids know that verse um, because I I tell them it every single day. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Do everything without complaining or arguing. And the apostle Paul wrote that verse and, well, and I think that he was looking back to this Old Testament stories that we've been reading over the last week. He was a, a Hebrew among Hebrews, he said, that nobody really knew the word of God like he did. So he would have known this. And as he was writing those verses, this would have been recalled to his mind. See, God had been doing great things with, with the people. Like he had, again, the separation, he'd bring them back. Separation, he'd bring them back. And he led them, with, through Joseph, he led them to Egypt where they were being blessed, uh, uh, amazingly. Like they grew so much in that period of time that the Pharaoh actually said, you know what? These people are getting too many, they're too blessed, we've got to put them into slavery. We've got to put a stop to them. And that happened, that, that was for about 400 years. They were in slavery in Egypt. But then God said, I'm going to send a deliverer. And God sent Moses to approach Pharaoh, as, as Kyle talked about, it, the great I am sent me. And he did these plagues and was, was causing all kinds of havoc um, on the Egyptians, um, killed their firstborn. Uh, he led them to the Red Sea. And they get to the point at the Red Sea, like they've watched God do all these amazing things uh, throughout their history. Like they've seen how they've fallen short and God brought in a redeemer or a deliverer. They see over and over again the same pattern that's happening and they know it's true and they come to a spot at the Red Sea and they're stuck between the Red Sea and um, the Egyptian army. And here's what they say. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? Were there any graves there? What you have done to to us by bringing us out of Egypt. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? No, they didn't say that. For 400 years, they were praying, God, get us out of Egypt. Like revisionist history. Like, this is the way we remember. No, you hated being in Egypt. So it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. God, we've watched you do all these great things and now you're just gonna kill us. But God didn't. He parted the waters and they walked through on dry land. And they get through on dry land, that was in chapter 14. And in chapter 15, here's what we read. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? Like, hang on. You're in slavery for 400 years. God delivers you. You watch frogs and gnats and flies and uh, the water turning to blood, and you're done. In Egypt, you get to the Red Sea and you think, God, you just left us here to die. And he parts the waters and you walk through. And you complaining because you don't have something to drink? God will provide, and He did. He gave him water. He gave him food. That's verse, that's chapter 15. In verse chapter 16, the Israelites said to them, if only we had died in the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate food, all the food we wanted. No, they didn't. They were slaves. They ate what they were told to eat when they were told to eat it. We ate all the food we wanted, but you brought us out in the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Complaining." not done chapter 17 but the people were thirsty for water there God's already given them water before and they grumbled against Moses they said why did you bring us out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst always complaining I don't know how Moses didn't just slaughter them all (laughs) because when I'm on the throne of my life that's what it leads to it leads to complaining my needs aren't being met you're not doing this for me I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, I want something to eat, I want something to drink. When I'm on the throne, it's all about me and it leads to a lot of complaining and we see that in in our own lives. I, I always know when someone comes to me and they've got a list of 45 complaints, I always know that the wrong person's on the throne of your life. Moses even at one point said, listen guys, you're not complaining against me, you're complaining against God. And I'd be careful about complaining against God. When I'm on the throne of my life, it oftentimes looks like excuses. This isn't in your bulletin, I added this earlier um, this morning. But when God approached Moses and said, hey, you know what, I want you to, to lead my people out, he started making excuses. God, I can't do that. I can't speak. I, I'm not good with words. Uh, I, there's no way that I can go and stand before that. I'm, I'm not a leader, God. You use somebody else. Excuses. When Moses is up on the mountain, God's delivered him again through the, through the plagues, through the Red Sea, through the desert. They're finally starting to set up camp. Moses goes up to the top of Mount Sinai to get the commandments from God. And as he's up there, um, Aaron down here is building up and collecting all the gold, and, and he's making a golden calf. The Bible says that he forged it with tools. And when Moses comes down, he is ticked. Like, he's mad. Like, even on the mountain, God said, hey, I'm just gonna kill them all and start over, Moses. Moses said, no, God, don't kill them all. Like, don't go doing all that again. We've already been through it once. You don't need to do it again. And God relents and doesn't kill them all. But Moses comes down and he looks at Aaron and says, what did you do? And I love it, he said, we just took all this gold, we threw it into the fire, and this is what popped out. No, it's not. Like, that doesn't happen. You made it. You formed it. Now you're worshiping it. It There's an excuse. Like, it's not my fault, God. And when I'm on the throne, that's what it looks like. That, God, it's not my fault, God, he made me do it. Or I made this decision because of this decision. Or God, I'm not walking the way that you want me to walk uh, for this reason. It's an excuse after excuse after excuse of why we're not doing the thing that God called us to do when I'm on the throne. And so many of us have lived our lives that way. And and I'm not beating you up over it because I'm in the same boat, same cycle over and over in my life. God wants to bless me he does I do something sinful, stupid selfish, I put myself on the throne and then there's separation sometimes it's separation with God, sometimes it's separation with Jennifer, sometimes it's separation with my kids but it's always separation and then I start complaining that my needs aren't being met about something and then I start making excuses for why I behaved the way that I behaved. It's an endless cycle, over and over again. But the good news is that God will send a deliverer. What we've seen from, from the very beginning is that God was about sending deliverers, even though this was the cycle of all humankind. God would send the he sent Moses or Noah to build a boat. He sent Abraham to start a, a nation. He sent Jacob, and if you were reading about Jacob, so I've got some questions this week about Jacob. Someone said, he was about the shadiest character that ever lived. (laughs) He was was jacked up, y'all. But God used him. See, Isaac, and God used Isaac. We see Joseph, and God used Joseph. And Joseph, we always often talk great about Joseph and and what an awesome guy that, that Joseph was. He had the coat of many colors. But listen, what kind of an arrogant jerk do you have to be for your brothers to really want to kill you? Like not just say, hey, I want to kill you because my brothers did that a lot. But like they were really going to do it. Like he was messed up too. And God used him to deliver. And then we get to Moses. And God's going to use Moses to deliver. Moses, he wasn't that great. At one point, God wanted to kill him. At some point, he killed an Egyptian and ended up running and fleeing. Brought about separation. Brought about excuses. Brought about complaining. But God used him. There's two things that that I just want to close with today about a deliverer. God will provide a deliverer. But you've got to be willing to step up. You know, one of the plagues that was put on the the Egyptians as God was setting the people free was the plague of frogs, and I hate frogs. Like, I don't know why, but they just, they, they make me, they're like, they're gross <laughs> to me. And, and I, I mean, I hate them so bad, I had one in my backyard the other day in a little pond that I got, like a great big frog. I don't know why it got in there, or how it got in there, but I called someone else to come get it. <laughs> like, I wasn't dealing with that frog. Like, and I'm not scared, I'm like, they're just gross. So I did, I was all, I'm like, come get this frog. But God on the Egyptians, he sent all like frogs, massive frogs. It says there were frogs in their beds, there was frogs in their ovens, there were frogs in their toilets. Like there were frogs everywhere. They'd lift up a cup, there'd be a frog in it. Like I would be, I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, it'd be over for me. And finally they get so sick of the frogs that the Pharaoh comes to Moses and he says, hey Moses, what, what needs to happen for you to get rid of the frogs? And Moses says, All I gotta do is pray. If I pray, frogs will be gone. And Pharaoh's like, Awesome. And Moses says, When? When do you want the frogs gone? And Pharaoh said, Tomorrow. It's the dumbest thing I ever heard. <laughs> Tomorrow? Why not right now? Like, God, get rid of the frogs now. God, I don't wanna wait till tomorrow to have the frogs. I, I don't, why, do, why do I wanna spend one more day with the frogs? Like, why do I want them in my bed one more day? Why do I want them in my toilet one more day? Why do I want them in my, in my life one more day? God, get rid of the frogs now. And for some of you, like you've been suffering, you, like you've like you been separated, you've been complaining, you've been making excuses about God, and God said, hey, we can get this fixed. Like, we can take care of it. When do you want it? And some of you, for so long, you've been saying tomorrow. Like, tomorrow. But today. God, why, why do you want to spend one more day with that addiction? Why do you want to spend one more day with that anger? Why do you want to spend one more day with that unforgiveness? Today. And God can do that Today. In your life. He's of a deliverer, his name's Jesus. He takes care of our sin problem, which takes care of our separation problem. And some of you, that's the decision you need to make today. You need to say, you know what, today's the day of that I'm done with it. But for others of you, listen. For others of you, you need to be that deliverer for somebody. And you've been making excuses long enough. Like, I'm not gonna have that conversation with them because, um, and, and there's just a list of excuses, because. I'm not gonna reach out to them because. I'm, I'm not gonna do this because. And sometimes it's because I'm not, I'm not good enough. Did you read about Adam? Did you read about Cain? Did you read about Noah? Did you read about... Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Aaron, Sarah, Miriam, all the way through. God doesn't use you because you're good enough. God uses you because you're available. And when you say, God, you know what, I'm going to be available, God's going to use you to do great things. And for some of you, that's the decision you need to make today. You say, you know what, I'm going to be the deliverer for somebody. And yet you're not good enough. Okay, neither am I. But God will use you if you're available. So I'm going to ask you to stand in whatever decision you need to make today. I'm just going to ask that, that that today's the day that you do it. Don't put it off. Why do you want to live one more day that way? Father God, we're thankful today. And we're thankful that we can come before you knowing that the cycle of our life is separation, complaining, excuses, deliverance. And all of us have seen it, every one of us. But Lord, today, I pray, is the day that it's back right with you. That maybe, maybe it's, we start a new streak. Today's the day we take our next right step. Father, for some, it's, it's the, the right step of accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's a step of, of baptism and forgiveness. For others of us, though, it's a decision of... God, I'll be the deliverer. I'll be the one who stops making excuses and starts sharing what what I know. I'll start leading people to you. God, I'll live for your purpose and for your passion. So Father, today I just pray that you give us boldness and courage to do that. It's in the name of Jesus I pray, amen.